welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Ephesians 3, 14. We are in a summer sermon series going through the book of Ephesians. And we're coming to the section here that's going to tell us that we need to have a full Christian life. So this sermon here has two points. The first point, as we go through this message, God is going to tell us we need to experience the fullness of God. And the fullness of God is realizing that we have literally at our disposal the riches of Christ. At our disposal, We the Bible calls us complete whole we're lacking nothing in our life and it's it's an attitude of going through life not thinking oh i have a deficit i'm missing something i'm short-handed i'm a dollar short not at all that's not how jesus wants us to think he's going to reveal it to us that what he is able to do above and beyond even what we think the bible tells us And he uses that phrase, whatever we're thinking about, God goes above and beyond in our life. Now, that's the first point. The second point we're going to see here in this passage here is the Bible tells us, have you ever heard the phrase, speaking the truth in love? Have you ever heard that used? Y'all know that's a Bible phrase. That comes out of the scriptures. What that means is there might be some people in your life you need to sit down and have an honest conversation about. Now, when you speak the truth in love, we are not talking about your preferences. Let's just say you uh, don't like some things around you, and it's a preference. And you go and tell that person, maybe not even in a loving way, you have to be able to discern what is a preference and what is truth. The Bible defines what truth is. Speaking the truth in love. Here we are, it's Sunday morning. Maybe you have some family members and they're not at church right now. They're sitting at home playing video games. Or they're sitting at home waiting for baseball games to start this afternoon. They're sitting at home ready to play soccer matches this afternoon. And they're not in God's house. And God has burdened your heart that you have family members, children, grandchildren who are out of the will of God. And you need to sit down with them privately, one-on-one, and say, Son, you know, the Bible tells us we will give an account to the Lord for our life. When you pass away or when Jesus comes, you're going to stand before God. And this lifestyle you're living is not honoring Him. That is a speak the truth in love. I have learned you can say anything to anyone if you do it in a loving, kind way. Not in front of others. Not on the internet. Not raising your voice. You hold their hand and say, your soul... Your spiritual condition burdens me. Jesus is concerned with the lostness of people. 
He's not so much concerned about some of the things we're concerned about. He wants people saved. That's why Jesus told the parable of the lost sheep. 99 sheep are in the sheep pen, and there's one just running wild out there in the pa- outside the gate. And the she- good shepherd goes out after the one and says, wait a minute, we're not complete. We're not whole. Somebody's missing in the sheep pen. And if your home has people who are not living according to God's standard, who are not in the Lord's will, folks, that is a speaking the truth and love conversation you need to have. And I want to tell you something. At the end of this message, God's going to lay someone on your heart, whether it's your children, your grandchildren, some of you go to school, you might have a classmate, they're just spiritually lost. They don't know the Lord. They need Jesus. And God wants you to begin praying for the boldness and for the conversation where you can have the most serious conversation about their spiritual condition. Folks, that is all that matters to the Lord. Because when it's all said and done, and we stand before God, if you truly love someone, you will tell them about that is the, you will tell them about the Lord. That's the most loving thing you can do to someone. How sad would it be? How sad would it be? You have family members whom you love and you spend all your money and take on trips and vacations and buy them junk they don't need. And they die and they go to hell. And they're thinking in hell, why didn't my daddy, why didn't my brother, why didn't mama, why didn't grandpa, why didn't grandma tell me how to be saved, warn me about this place? Do you remember that story of Jesus and Lazarus? Where, not the Lazarus where the, uh, the gentleman Jesus brought back from the dead, but the one who went to Abraham's side in heaven, and then the wealthy man went to hell. And from, Jesus gave us a picture in the book of Luke, and the man in hell was crying out, Father Abraham, just send, send someone to my brothers so they don't have to come to this place of torment. So they can just literally just take, take even a, a sip of water for any type of relief. And God says they have the prophets. They have the word of God. If they don't listen to the prophets, they're not going to listen to someone coming back from the dead. And Bible's teaching us that we need to be making sure that the people that we have influence around, our circle of friends, our circle of family members, we have those serious conversations about speaking the truth in love. So that's today's passage here. Those, those are our two points. The fullness of God, what you're going to receive from the Lord and what you've already received if you're saved. And then how to speak up and speak truth. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. You know, a praying position is a kneeling position. That's why we kneel when we pray. We kneel before the Lord from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love. And by the way, Paul's writing this in jail. Remember, we've talked about this. If you're sitting at the Fayette County Detention Center, would you be writing a letter saying, I pray that you, being rooted and 
firmly established. Most of us would say, I need a good attorney. Get, get any money you can. Get a loan. Just get me out of this place. If you've ever talked to anybody in behind bars, you know what they want? They want out. That's their goal. They aren't writing stuff like this. They don't write love letters to the church, encouraging the people there to live for the Lord. It's the exact opposite here. Paul's literally sitting in bar, behind jail, writing to his church in Ephesus, saying, man, you are rooted in the Lord. You're firmly established in Jesus. You have a foundation. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love. Look at this. That surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled with the fullness of God. That is God's goal for us, that we are filled with the fullness of God, meaning we are complete. We have received all of these things. We understand. What is God's love? God's love is understanding and realizing the great cost that was paid up here on the cross. We took the Lord's Supper remembering what Jesus did on the cross. He shed His blood so we can be forgiven. He gave His life so we could be forgiven as well. He died as the sacrifice for us. And when we receive that, we realize, I've received the love of God. I have everything I need. There's no reason for you to be negative. There's no reason for you to complain. There's no reason for you to feel you're deficient. Even if you go to the doctor this week and you get a bad report, you're still saved in the book of life. Your name is written in heaven. That's what he's talking about. He's saying you need to be filled. You are filled. This is who you are. Now to him who is able to do, look at this, this is my favorite phrase of our first little section we're going to read. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask and think. Now, most of us, we're sitting here thinking, what am I going to eat for lunch? What am I going to do this week? What, 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 when's my next vacation? What trip do I get to go to? When's a plumber going to come to my house to repair stuff? I mean, you're just going through your mind thinking all of these things in your life. And the Bible's telling us here, in verse 20, you know what? This, this low-level thinking you have, God is much greater than that. He is an above and beyond. In fact, He exceeds even what you're thinking. You say, Pastor, how, how does He do that? Because what he, Paul's talking about here, he's talking about spiritual matters. We think about what we call the common problems of man, which is every day there's new problems. Every hour there's new problems. But that's not how Paul's talking about. The spiritual issues are what matter to the Lord. Do you know what matters to the Lord? I want to tell you, wives, if you have a husband sitting at home in bed, about now he should be waking up. He's waking up, getting ready to eat lunch. And he, you came to church, you came to worship, and he stayed home. That is a crisis in your home. You all know that? Wives, you should be praying all night long on Saturday, and every night, for your husband's salvation. Something is wrong in your family. If you have children, and they grew up maybe in this church, they came to VBS, they used to go to Sunday school, they were very active in children's church, listening to missionaries. How blessed are we to have a missionary speak to children? How rare is that to have for many people? And we're blessed to have that. And your children grew up in that type of environment. 
But now, for whatever reason, they feel like they've graduated from that. They've gone off to college. They've been enlightened in foolishness. And what's happened is they have pulled away from the Lord. Your heart should be broken for your children that was once living for Jesus, and now they're not. That is the type of thinking above and beyond we see in verse 20 that the Lord wants us to focus on. Not worrying about paying our bills. God wants people saved. God wants families restored. God wants prodigal sons and prodigal daughters to come back to the Father's house. God wants grandchildren who used to be addicted to video games and internet pornography to be set free from that. That's the above and beyond the Lord is talking about when he says the fullness of God. Keep going here in your Bibles. It says in verse 20, according to the power that works in us, that power is the Lord. We have power in Christ. We have access to something that other people don't. I want to tell you, how do you access that? That's your prayer life. You pray, if you're, if you're wrestling, if you have a burden, if you have a struggle with something this morning, that is the Lord saying, you need to pray about this. I have just learned, one of the best responses to anything is to do and say nothing and just give it to God in prayer. I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to do. But Lord, you, you're a great God. You created all things. You created all people. I'm just going to bring this burden, this issue, this person, this problem, whatever it is, Lord, I bring it to you. And Lord, you take over. That is what he's talking about here in verse 20. Above and beyond. That's the fullness of God. And it goes in verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. We can't go around making excuses. Don't go around saying, oh, it's genetic. Or it's not my genes. It's part of my family tree. Calvary's tree is greater than your family tree. Jesus' genes change our lives. When you get saved, you are transformed for Jesus. We mean the old self is gone, the new has come. We are a new creation, the Bible tells us. And when you realize that, you start thinking that way, that is what the Bible means, the fullness of God. Jesus Christ this morning is giving you this passage talking about being filled, living a life filled with the Holy Ghost. No longer going around bickering, complaining, arguing, feeling defeated, feeling just bound in your circumstances. Christ is saying, I have set you three. The greatest problem in 2022, it's not our government. Folks, it's not things going on in Frankfurt or wherever things go on at and watching news nonstop, getting stirred up by that. The greatest problem today is we need believers. And by the way, believers are the church. They need to start believing. The believers need to be a big end believing God. All right, keep going here in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read these phenomenal Bible verses. And these Bible verses here, are about to teach you and I how we need to learn to speak the truth in love. And I'm going to ask you, think, when you leave here today, who do I need to have an honest conversation with? An honest conversation is one that is filled with love, 
with grace. You put down the phone, you turn off the TV, and it's, it's a right or wrong conversation. You know there's some things going on in your life that are not right. And maybe your home, even under your home, in your family. And you need to talk to them about the Lord. God has placed a burden about that. Verse 1. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. That's, why we live, that's how we walk for Jesus. We, Paul's in jail saying, you need to walk worthy. Paul can't, he, Paul's in chains. He can't even walk. And he's telling other people to go walk worthy of the calling. He is proud of his chains. Thank goodness, I've got chains for Jesus on me. That's what he's writing here. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the, spirit, the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, look at this, to one hope at your calling. Look at this, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We are united around Christ. That is what unites us. When we come here as a body of Christ, we come under the Lordship. Who, let's look at these three ones here. One Lord, we worship Jesus. When you come to Broadway Baptist Church, a Bible-believing church should be focused and preached and taught, and it should be all about Jesus. Folks, if it's not about Jesus here, you're not at church. If Jesus isn't central to what's being done, if there's not a beeline to the gospel, what are we doing? Are we a social club? Are we, are we running a side business? No. This is the saving business of the gospel. That's what it means, one Lord. One faith. That is our faith in Christ. That means we believe that only Jesus is the way to heaven. You go in liberalism land, and you go in pluralism all around us, and you go with that message that Jesus saves only, He's the only way to heaven, that is rejected. A lot of folks will not tolerate that, but that's what one faith means. It is only by Christ whom people are saved. That's why we joyfully pray for the lost. We eagerly look for opportunities in our life to share, speak the truth in love to folks who need to be saved. And then it says one baptism. Here's our baptistry. When you are saved, you get baptized. We are baptized, not, not in Broadway Baptist Church. You're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We get baptized to honor the Lord, not to honor each other, not to say, look at me, not to say, well, little Johnny, you're now at the age of, of this accountability. It's time for you to get baptized. No, you do it for Christ. So this is what he's pointing folks to. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Meaning the Lord is working all around us. Now grace was given to each of you according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, this is a quote out of Psalms, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to the people. But what does he ascended mean? Except he also descended to the lower parts of the earth. What are we talking about here? As Christ ascended in heaven, he also descended into earth. Meaning Christ, he's in heaven or in earth, he's still Lord. Whether he's up there or down here, wherever he's at, he's the Lord of Lord 
and King of Kings. He's our God everywhere. So this, not, this is not once Jesus goes back into heaven, he no longer is the Lord. Paul's writing saying, this, he's Lord wherever he's at. If he's in your heart, if he's in heaven, or is he here? The Lord is present, and he's there. The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens to fill all things. And he himself, look at this, this is what he gave to the church. So these are now our spiritual gifts. God has given us these gifts for our church. And we as a church want to utilize, churches should utilize spiritual gifts. You have spiritual gifts. There are 22 spiritual gifts in the Bible, and one of them has ceased to exist. And that's the first one named here. I'm going to explain it to you right here. And he himself gave some to be apostles. By definition, by definition an apostle is someone who is with Jesus so an apostle would be Paul. He was on the Damascus Road, and he experienced the Damas- He experienced a vision, and the Lord appeared to him, and he was, tr- he was blinded, and then he got saved, and then he was baptized when he got to Damascus. The gift of apostle does not exist, exist, exist today. It was limited to the early church. So who would be apostles? Jesus had what we call the 12 disciples. Now, that word is also an interchangeable word with apostles. So, somewhere places in the Bible, they're called the 12 disciples. Some, they're called the 12 apostles. People who actually saw Jesus, people who actually, like Paul, had a vision of Jesus to write 20, uh, 13 letters in the New Testament. People who were witnessed, the 500 people who witnessed the resurrected Jesus from the tomb. These people were apostles. So if you meet somebody today in 2022 and they tell you they were an apostle, that's probably inaccurate. So that's the one gift in the Bible that does not exist, the gift of apostle. Gift number two right here, verse 11. Some prophets. What is a prophet? A prophet is someone who proclaims the word of the Lord. Now in Bible times, When the Bible was being communicated to the people from the Lord, prophecy also involved future tellings. So like John on the island of Patmos, he received a vision from the Lord about future events, which is the book of Revelation, our last book of the Bible, about things to come. So that prophecy, so when you read parts of Revelation, you're actually reading prophecy that has not occurred yet. It's going to happen. It just hasn't occurred yet. There's some parts of the book of Daniel that haven't occurred yet either. Those are apostolic books that are soon to come. In Matthew chapter 24 is another one from Jesus when he spoke about the things to come. That is prophecy. So when, by reading the word of God, by proclaiming the word of God, you are exercising the gift of prophecy. It's the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord. When you sit down with a person you need to talk to, and speak truth and love, you are sharing with them prophecies. Not you speaking, it's the Lord. We're just the vessel. We speak what God has told us to. All right, so that's the gift of prophecy. That still exists today. Not new prophecy. The canon is sealed. We have 66 books of the Bible. We don't, we don't add on things to us. Remember we had our men's prayer breakfast yesterday, and we were fortunate to have a Gideon come and share. The Gideons go, and they place bibles in hotels around here and as they place their bible if you remember what that gentleman uh gideon steve said he said 
when he places those Bibles there, what else does he find? The Book of Mormon is usually right there too. The Mormons have come in as well. And he says they're not allowed to remove them. They just put it right next to the Mormon book. Well, the Mormon book has new prophecies in there, but those would not be biblical prophecies. So that's an example of adding to the Word of God. The book of Revelation, chapter 22, that ends the Bible. There's no more new prophecy that's coming. We're just witnessing the fulfillment of prophecy. And he says then, verse 11, some evangelists, do you know what an evangelist is? In many ways, what our missionary friend Peggy Cable, she serves in Uganda. She's here right now, this month, and she's headed back down there. She goes around Uganda, and she proclaims the word of the Lord, pointing and calling people to turn from their sins and turn to Jesus. We are going to have a revival here in October. We have an evangelist. His name is Ronnie Hill from Fort Worth, Texas, who's going to fly up here and preach for four days here at Broadway Baptist Church. He is a full-time Southern Baptist evangelist. He travels around our whole nation preaching and pointing people to Jesus. You'll be hearing much more about this. That is one evangel. Evangelist comes in and draws the net and urges and pleads with people to turn to the Lord. I want to tell you, if you get, we have people here who give out gospel tracts. We give them out in the office for you to give to folks. When you go out and you hand someone at Starbucks a gospel tract and say, Sir, ma'am, when you get a chance, take a look at this. You're planning, that's practicing evangelism. That's using this gift. You're pointing people to the Lord. And then here's the gift I have. Some pastors and teachers. God has called men to pastor local churches such as Broadway Baptist Church. He's also given the gift of teachers. Some of you have this gift of teaching. You teach a Sunday school class. You teach a Wednesday night class. You're teaching the Word of God. There's an expectation that each generation is going to learn this book. This is why we come to worship. We come and learn and grow in the 66 books that God has chosen to reveal to us. And when we fail to come here to God's house on Sunday, we're saying, Lord, I know best. I don't need that message. I'm going to go this week without the Lord. I'm going to go this week without worshiping you. This is why we as a church have opportunities on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night to learn and grow closer to Christ. Because if you aren't intentional in doing it, it won't happen. No one naturally just grows closer to Christ, sitting at home watching TV. It's not going to happen. You come to a body of Christ, you come among fellow believers, and different people use their different gifts, and you, you learn and grow in the Lord. Keep going here in your Bible verse. Look at verse 12. Why is, all, why is God giving all this stuff to the church? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity in the faith, and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity, with a stature measured in Christ's fullness. There's that word again in use, fullness. Christ expects us to be full of the Lord. Then we will no longer be, be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. I tell you, that is prevalent today. Someone, someone turns the news on and they believe this. 
They open up their Facebook feed and they believe this. We aren't that way. We aren't should be tossed around. We have a rock-solid faith in Christ. It doesn't matter what Washington, what Frankfurt decides. Everything's been decided. It's in the Word of God. We line up with Him. We should never be uh, a flaky on what we believe. And I want to tell you, even as Christians, we should never back down on our beliefs. We boldly proclaim, this is why I believe this, because God says so. We're not embarrassed by it. Paul's in jail writing this. He's boldly proclaiming, saying, don't be like little children going here or there. Do you know, I mean, I have four children. If we ask, if we get in the car and say, okay, where do y'all want to go eat at? We're going to have a vote. I have four different restaurants. Usually McDonald's will be right up there. I mean, for whatever reason, it just keeps rising to the top. And then they'll try to convince each other to vote, and they will do it. They can win over their brother or sister by giving them a toy or a piece of candy. Something will happen. That's an example of flakiness. The Bible's saying don't be like these little children just tossed around and blown about by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. And there are techniques. The devil uses techniques to deceive us. The average American spends two and a half hours on social media every day. And I hate to say it, I'm right there. It's embarrassing. I am. It's easy and it's too easy. It just pops right up. Two and a half hours a day. Now, if you're spending that much time on social media, I'm speaking myself, that's over 10% of your day. That's a tithe. Do I spend two and a half hours a day in prayer? This is what deceit is. This is how the devil fools you. This is how the devil takes what you think is a priority and make it a non-priority. What should be most important gets shelved over here. And it's a, it's a tool of the devil. That's how we're tossed about by the waves. So understand, the waves for us. Don't be fooled by that phrase, the waves. The waves could be, not by some, what some professor says or something you see on TV, the waves just you wasting your time. Lack of time management skills. Going about your day, just doing whatever. Say, I guess I'll play on my phone. I guess I'll play on the computer. I guess I'll read this article. It's just, there's no purpose. And the Lord's saying, don't do this. But here's what we should do. Verse 15. Here's our main verse this morning. But speaking the truth in love, that phrase, we go to our person that God has burdened us, and we say, let me tell you what the Lord says. I have it up here on the screen. Here's some, right, here's some examples of how we today should speak the truth in love. This is a right and wrong conversation. Let's just say you have a husband who's viewing pornography. Trash on the internet. Wives, you need, to, you need to have that conversation. You need to pray about it. You need to be prepared. You need to take his hand and say, Honey, we need to talk. What you're doing is wrong. This is immoral. All right? Maybe you have a daughter, and she's struggling with homosexuality. You take your daughter and get rid of all the, turn off the TV and say, Sweetheart, I need to talk to you. What you're doing is sinful and wrong. God didn't create you this way. 
This goes against God's word. Read her the story of Sodom and Gomorrah out of Genesis chapter 18 and 19. They need to know what happened. They might not know. That is what happens. If you know somebody struggling with homosexuality, point them to Genesis 18 and 19. That's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why those two wicked cities were destroyed. Maybe you, have a, you go to school and you have a classmate that you spend a lot of time with, a good friend, and you know they are spiritually lost. You need to sit down with your unchurched classmate and you have a conversation that says, hey, I, I love you, sister. I love you, brother, but you need Jesus. I want to show you how to be saved. I want to read to you John 3.16. I want to point you to the cross, which is your greatest need you have. This is what it means to speak the truth in love. Maybe you have a son or a grandson, and they spend, listen, this, this really exists, 12 hours a day playing video games. That is true. There are some boys that do that. Some in our church. And you need to sit down with your child. They might be a teenager or a young adult saying, young man, God did not create you to do this. Our life is not video game land. There is so much more. God has created you to get a job. He's created you to get married, to have a family, to work, to go to church, to worship, to live for Him. We don't live our lives for video games. This is what it is. Maybe you're dating a guy, and he only attends church. He only comes to church when you come. That's not spiritual leadership. You know if you didn't come, you didn't come here this morning, he sure wouldn't be here. Is that the type of man you always grew up dreaming about marrying? The type of godly husband you would want to have? Because I promise you, the moment you get married, he'll drop out as fast as he can. He'll be gone. There's women in our church. Their husbands do not attend church. They did evangelism dating, and now they're paying the price for it later in life. It doesn't work. And these speaking the truth in love conversations, we, I promise, have people in our life that we need to have a conversation with. Who do you, this morning, need to have this type of conversation with. Speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is head. And I want to tell you, when you have that conversation, you grow closer to the Lord. You can say anything with kindness and love, one-on-one. You can literally say anything to anyone. And they genuinely say, this guy is graceful, he's compassionate, I can sense he or she really wants what's best for me. Who do you need to have a conversation with? Who do you need to talk to that God has burned your heart that you need to go share the truth? Remember, we're not talking about preferences. We're not talking about what type of music you like or if you like the Lord's Supper or if you like me or if you like church. You're talking about, here. thus saith the Lord. Here's what God says, and this is a right or wrong. This is a sinful issue, and it needs to be dealt with. Because you will stand before our God and give an account for your life. And God will hold you and I accountable for whether or not we speak up. God wants believers who speak up the truth. He placed these people in our life for that very purpose. From Him, the whole body, fit, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love 
by the proper working of each individual part. What that means there in that passage is the Bible just says all these different body parts, when they're working functionally together, you have a strong body of Christ. And so much of that for us is understanding the Lord wants us to speak truth into people's life. We have received the fullness of God. God has made you complete. You are whole. And because of that, you have all power. You have all strength. And you take that and you go share gospel truth. Now, I look out in our crowd today and I see new faces I don't know. Every time we preach the word of God here, you, we give an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. I preached here about one Lord, one faith, one baptism. If you're saved, you should be able to testify to all three of those things. You have one Jesus you love. You have one faith that you've personally made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And you have one baptism. And you've been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you have never received Jesus, I'm going to call and ask you to do that now. Beecher, I'm going to ask you and the band, y'all just come on down. We're going to have our invitation. This is going to be our time to respond. We respond to the Lord. And it's, in many ways, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. When am I going to give my life to Christ? When am I going to join Broadway Baptist Church? When am I, when am I, going, to, uh, when am I going to make a commitment to tell that person who's struggling with whatever issue I just named, speaking truth and love, that I'm actually going to make the time to make an appointment to talk to my daughter, to talk to my wife, to talk to my husband about this issue. God is speaking to you this morning, and he's asking us to respond to him. So we're going to stand together. We close every service with me standing down front, our invitation. I'll wait right here. You come take my hand, and you make your decision public. Jesus Christ calls us publicly to follow him. All right, Beecher, we're ready. like a hurricane I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy and all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how Beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Oh, and how he loves us so. And oh, how he loves us. And how he loves us. His portion and He is our prize drawn to redemption by the grace in His eyes if His grace is an ocean we're all sinking and heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss in my heart turns violently inside of my chest I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about
Today, our church does six business meetings a year. We do it after the... Tonight, I'm preaching out of Ephesians uh, about the danger of anger. So if you want to come to church tonight, I hope you do. It's at 6 o'clock. Then afterwards, we have our business meeting. Now, many of you say, Daniel, I've already got stuff going on, but you can pick up your business meeting packet. They're right back there in the Welcome Center. So if you can't come tonight, make sure you pick up your business meeting notes so you can... See everything going on with that. Other thing I wanted to recognize, Miss Benita Mogan. Benita, will you raise your hand? We have our special guest, Benita and Charles and her three girls. Y'all moved to Maryland. What's the name of the little city y'all live in? Honeytown, Maryland. Who knows where Honeytown, Maryland is? Oh, wow, one. We do. We have one person with that. So they have found a good church, a good Southern Baptist church called Bayside Baptist Church there near Honeytown. But She's back in town. Uh, the family's all back at home up uh, there, but she's just passing through. So, Benita, we're, uh, we're glad to see you here today uh, worshiping with us. It's been nearly a year, I think, with that. So make sure you speak to uh, Miss Mogan and, and let her know about that. Well, I know we have guests with us, and we always will like for you. I send out a weekly email every Friday, and you want to fill out your little guest tab. And I only spam you one day a week. And if you're not getting my weekly email, you're... Um, you're out of the loop, so you want to make sure I have your email address so you can fill out your little tab and your welcome um, in your bulletin, and you can give it to our welcome center, which has the little black boxes there. That's where we collect our prayer requests, welcome tags, and our offering. If you miss the offering plate back at the welcome center, we have workers back there. That also six times a year we collect the, or we have the Lord's Supper. Whenever we do the Lord's Supper, we have what we call a benevolent offering. Now, what this is, this is managed by Joey Tucker, our chairman of deacons here. And we uh, have unexpected expenses for maybe someone can't pay their power bill or they need food or gift card, whatever they need, um, gas. And stuff comes up throughout the year that we provide a benevolence ministry to. So I want to encourage you to take a few dollars out of your wallet and your purse. And we'll have deacons at all four doors here standing holding offering plates. Six times a year we connect, collect our benevolent offerings. So Keith Gowdy and the men will be standing at the doors as you exit um, exit uh, today. So, uh, Beecher, I think I just everything I have. So, all right. Let's say a quick prayer and you'll all be dismissed. Father God, thank you so much for an opportunity to worship today. We pray for all those who are uh, out today. We have many on vacation. We have our, our singing group, Voice of Praise, traveling this weekend. We pray for them that they uh, have a safe trip and have a wonderful time and get to share you. And I just pray for each person here that we have a chance this week to do something good for someone else that we have a chance to uh, tell them about Christ or to help them in some way and just pray that we can be uh, your hands and feet God in, in, in each, uh, each day and each uh, moment that we have an opportunity that we take advantage of that. Thank you so much for all that you do. Pray uh, that we have a wonderful week and, and these services tonight uh, that uh, they just uplift you and, and our church uh, benefits from these business meetings and uh, just pray that we uh, in everything that we do we praise you and lift you up and we thank you so much in Jesus name amen
God's portion and He is our prize Drawn to redemption by the grace in His eyes If His grace is an ocean we're all sinking And heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss in my